Hello again and welcome to the Late to the Party podcast reviewing some of your long forgotten favorite movies. Today we will be reviewing the anime classic Princess Mononoke. Stick around. So I was first introduced to this movie when I was a kid and it's kind of weird because like when I was little I used to watch all these anime movies specifically Studio Ghibli movies and it's just really funny that like I didn't even know what anime was you know I just saw it as another cartoon but looking back now that I am into anime at the amount of anime that I watched as a kid it's really funny because you know Totoro was one of my favorite movies growing up and like that's as fucking anime as it gets like that's a legit anime movie so when I watched this as a kid I was just like you know this is really interesting and like the art style's really cool and whatever pretty colors a good story fairly easy to follow like this was a good ass movie when I watched it as a kid so there's a few main characters in this movie you know obviously the main one is this girl named San or Princess Mononoke, who is kind of like a guardian of the forest. She was raised by the wolf god Moro and has two wolf brothers. And like the humans call her Princess Mononoke. Uh, the main character and who the story kind of centers around is this guy named Ashitaka, who is from an indigenous tribe that is like hidden in the forest he receives a curse and is essentially banished from his village and is tasked with seeing the world without eyes clouded by hate to find his own cure for the curse because there wasn't anything that his tribe could do for him unfortunately uh there is a character named lady aboshi who is I would say the villain in the movie as much as she sees herself as a good person and in the right, like the context of the movie frames her as the villain and a lot of things that she does are evil, even though some of the things that she does are good, which we'll get into as I review the plot, but you know, she's just not a very good person and the same thing with there is a monk named jugo and he is essentially extremely greedy and i think that it was in an age that basically they were poking fun at the gluttony and greed of monks in this era of japan because as we know a lot of churches, especially, you know, these mega churches and televangelists and shit like that, take your money, but don't do good with it. They just use it to create more wealth for themselves. And it's interesting to see that it's not just Western religions where that was a problem, but it seems like all religions around the world were faced with that problem. So it's just an interesting look at that. Uh, there is... A couple of boar gods. The main one is Nago, who is who 
puts the curse on Ashitaka, and the other one is named Okato, and he essentially is the head of the boar tribe, and, like, the boars listen to him whenever they attack and things like that. That That's the main characters. There's a few other side characters that I'll probably touch on throughout, but those are the main names that I'm going to be using throughout the explanation of the plot. So, without further ado, let's get into this plot. So apparently Ashitaka is like a prince of this village, or like the head of the clan that kind of rules over the village or whatever, because they refer to him as Prince Ashitaka a lot in the beginning of the film. And it opens with him gathering everybody back into the village because the wise woman has ordered everybody back into the village. And there's this guy in a watchtower that he goes out to. And Ashitaka rides this red elk that's like basically his best friend named Yakul. It's not really important that you know the elk's name, but it is named, so I wanted to mention it. And they're riding back to the village from the forest, and they stop at the watchtower to see what is going on in the forest. And basically, the guy in the watchtower says, you know, it's moving in the forest, and it's not human. And then this mass of tentacles busts out of the fucking forest, because... Why would it be an anime without some good tentacles? I mean, I've seen enough hentai to know where this one's going. And the tentacles kind of recede so you can see that it's a boar. And it's coming straight for the watchtower. So Ashitaka gets Yakul to run so that it doesn't get eaten or attacked or hurt or whatever. And the boar knocks over the watchtower. As it's falling, Ashitaka jumps onto Yakul's back. And kind of rides and is trying to reason with the boar. Like, we've done no wrong to you. Please don't attack my village. Whatever it is that ails you, we can help you. Things like that. And this boar is just not having any of it. And the guy from the watchtower says, The boar is cursed. Don't let it touch you. What the fuck does this motherfucker do? Let's the damn thing touch him. Of course. Damn kids not listening. Ashitaka ends up taking down this boar and with one arrow to the forehead and it drops right away. He gets off of Yakul and everybody rushes to him and sees that his right arm is hurt. So their immediate reaction is to try and heal it. And the wise woman's like, don't touch it, it's cursed. And comes out to tell the boar, you know, we will honor your death. There will be a pyre put upon this spot that you've fallen. Please go in peace. And essentially this boar says, soon you will know my hatred. And all humans will know my hatred. Well, it turns out that this boar's name is Nago. Which is really fucking funny. Because if you've watched Naruto at all then you know that the guy that is controlling all of the paths of pain is named Nagato. And I didn't put that together until I was watching this movie for a second watch through. Because I watched it the first time as like, I just wanted to watch it. 
And then the second time that I watched it, I kind of took better notes and paid more attention so that I could review the plot and, you know, look at it with eyes not clouded by looking at my phone while I'm watching a movie. Later that night, the village wise woman calls all the elders as well as Ashitaka to a meeting where she is essentially reading his fate in the seeing stones and she says you know the curse will spread it will rip apart your soul and you will die and there's nothing that you can do here that will change that so you are forced to leave our village and our laws forbid us from watching you go ashitaka accepts his fate and cuts off his top knot which in this period in Japanese history, the top knot was seen as like a status symbol. So him removing it is kind of similar to like the Dothraki cutting each other's braids off because the longer your braid, the better of a warrior you were. It's very similar to that. It was a status symbol. So him cutting it off removes his status as the prince of this village. So he gets on Yakul and he's riding away. His little sister stops him as he's going and gives him a crystal dagger and says, I don't want you to forget me. And Ashitaka says, I could never forget you. And then rides off into the forest. Before he leaves, the wise woman gives Ashitaka a ball of iron that was buried inside the boar's body that basically is what killed him and poisoned his spirit. And he's to find out where it came from because that could be the answer to ridding himself of the curse. As Ashitaka is riding westward toward wherever the boar came from, he encounters a village that's being attacked by samurai. And he sees... Initially, what he thought was a battle is essentially just a massacre. Like, these village people have no way of defending themselves, have no way of, like, protecting themselves. And the samurai spot Ashitaka and start attacking him. He's very reluctant to resort to violence, but whenever, you know, they're using deadly force against him, he pulls his bow and shoots one samurai in the arms to kind of try and stop him from attacking these village people. And I don't know if it's the power of the curse or if his bow is just drawn that tight, but it essentially rips this guy's fucking arms off. Like it rips his arms off and they stick into a tree like punctured by the arrow. It was the craziest fucking thing I'd ever seen. And as he's riding through the village trying to get away, more samurai attack him and he shoots another one and just completely like blows this guy's fucking head off with an arrow. It was really intense. And like his curse starts like pulsing and growing a little bit. And it's because he's surrounded by hatred. So like this whole theme of hatred and poisoning your soul is very deep within this whole movie. Ashitaka arrives at the next village where he is buying some rice. So 
he and Yakul can eat. And when he goes to pay the woman at the stand, he doesn't have money, but he gives her a lump of gold because he had gold, which is, you know, their monetary system, apparently. And the woman gets really pissed off and is like, this isn't money. And that's when this monk Jugo comes in and essentially is just like, are you crazy woman? This is a lump of pure gold. How much is this worth? I would say that this is worth three bags of rice. If you'd like, I can pay for his rice and I'll take this little nugget off your hand. To which the woman gets defensive because when he's telling her what the real value of it is, then, you know, she realizes that she almost gave up some gold. And, you know, Jugo follows Ashitaka out of the village and some other people were following them most likely to rob Ashitaka, but also it seemed like they were with Jugo. So it could have been like his goons because he knew who Ashitaka was by the way that he dressed, that he drove, rode an elk and that he, you know, used stone arrowheads that he knew that he was, you know, from this indigenous tribe that was supposed to be wiped out 500 years ago. And that's why it's such a secret where their village is. They stop for dinner and they kind of talk about, you know, that Jugo knows who he is and about the spirit of the forest and how the emperor is offering a mountain of gold to anybody that can help him live forever and how the spirit of the forest can grant life. So you kind of get this weird feeling about this fucking Jugo guy. And while it's not obvious that he's the bad guy, I guess, at this point, it it just kind of feels like he's going to be. He's got that fucking, like, weird mustache where there's just hair, like, on the outside of the mustache and there's no mustache in the middle. Kind of like the reverse Hitler, I guess. And so... Whatever, you know. Ashitaka makes his own way and heads off on his own again. I just realized I've been saying Jugo. It's Jigo. I read it wrong and wrote it wrong in my notes. And that's why I've been saying it wrong. But it's actually Jigo. The movie then cuts to this caravan of oxen carrying rice on this mountainside and there's this woman named Lady Aboshi who is kind of making sure that the oxen get through without getting spooked and she knows that these wolves are coming and they see these wolves coming from the distance and it's the two younger wolf pups with Princess Mononoke on their back and they're firing their guns at her and she's you know dodging their shots and things like that, and, you know, essentially, they do spook the oxen, but they get kind of scared away, but it bought just enough time for their mother, Moro, to sneak around and attack, and as they're running away, one of the other people say to Lady Eboshi, oh, they weren't so tough. And Lady Eboshi says, wait till you see their mother. And as soon as she says that, 
Moro attacks, killing a couple oxen, knocking some people off of the cliff, and she's kind of, you know, attacking and trying to do as much damage as possible. And Lady Eboshi gets her rifle. She takes her rifle and shoots her in the chest and knocks her off the cliff into the river below where everybody is, you know, celebrating that they killed the wolf. Lady Eboshi says, it's going to take a lot more than that to kill a god. Ashitaka is at the base of this mountain where there's a river that's run through that's kind of heavier than normal due to rainfall. And he sees these bodies floating by and pulls two injured men out of the river. And on the other side of the river, he sees Moro's body and the two wolf pups, as well as Princess Mononoke or San, pull her out of the river. And San begins to try to tend to her wound and give her the good suck to get that bullet out. Unfortunately, San doesn't quite have good enough sucking skills to where the bullet's still lodged inside of her, but she has, you know, sucked a good bit of, we'll say poisoned blood. Hopefully it, hopefully it helped more than it harmed. I feel like they say iron, but it very well could be lead to where it like poisons her blood because it's in there as well as it just being a festering wound. And when Ashitaka sees San, he gets up on this tree and introduces himself and says that he's looking for the spirit of the forest and just kind of gives his backstory real quickly. And San just says, leave. And I'm just like, damn, dude, you fucking, you just got clowned as hard as anybody I've ever seen in my entire life, like, this man's life is over. San is just like, I'm about to end this man's whole career. Ashitaka then goes back to the injured men because one of them screamed because he saw a tree spirit. And these things kind of look like fucking... I don't even know how to describe these things. They look kind of like little Cupid doll aliens, but they tilt their heads and then they shake like maracas. I don't know. It's some weird shit, but I mean, it's, you know, based in Japanese folklore. I'm just not very familiar with, you know, bobblehead tree spirits. Maybe they're giving those out at like sharks games and shit now. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that one, but, uh, you know, Ashitaka does what he can to bandage these men up and get them back home, and they make their way through this forest that supposedly no one's ever made it through and was seen again, and as they're, you know, going along, they see more of these tree spirits, and, you know, Ashitaka being of an indigenous tribe is very like in touch with nature and in touch with, you know, respecting the forest and respecting your surroundings and things like that. So he's not afraid and they stop by a pond to take a rest. And Ashitaka gives 
the man some water, one of the guys that was hurt, some water, and he sees this group of deer coming across the forest, and one of them with, like, big-ass antler stops and looks to him. And, you know, you don't really see too much, but it's just, it looks like a big-ass deer. Then they're going through the forest a little bit more, and, like, they notice somehow things are a little bit better. Like, the guy with a broken arm is like, my arm doesn't feel broken anymore, and he, like, moves it. He's like, nope, still broken. And Ashitaka has the other man on his back, and he's like, yes, your friend has gotten lighter to where I almost don't feel like I'm carrying anything. And I feel like that's just kind of the magic of the forest. I don't know, it's not really, I guess, relevant, but kind of interesting the way that this... You know, this guy didn't really have much trouble, you know, with a broken arm. And the other guy didn't really weigh anything. So they end up making it out of the other side of the forest to this place called Irontown. And that's where Lady Eboshi presides as the ruler of. And essentially the way that it works is... The men are charged with going out and getting rice to bring back to have food, whereas the women work the bellows and work the smithery to make the iron that makes the money for the town. And it's just really cool. And this is what I was saying about Lady Eboshi being the villain, but doing some things that kind of make her, I guess, a hero in some people's eyes. Every woman in Irontown was working in a brothel before Lady Eboshi bought out their contracts to get them to come to Irontown. So essentially, you know, it's hard work smelting the iron and stuff like that, but you're not, you know, getting beat on for some man's pleasure, which I guess I would say is a positive thing. Sure, hard labor sucks, but I don't think that I would want to, you know be in a situation where somebody was giving somebody else money and they're allowed to do whatever they want with my body because they paid for me. That just doesn't sound like a very appealing life. And unfortunately, that's the way that a lot of people live. And it's kind of sad, but for right now, these women are safe in Irontown and they're actually seen as, you know, higher social status than the men of the village, which honestly is, you know, civilization goals. We'll, we'll kind of ignore the fact that I don't know how much they're getting paid for their labor and things like that, but as far as the way that the village is run and the way that, like, men aren't in power, civilization goals. When Ashitaka and these injured men are returned to Irontown, because there's like a moat that surrounds it, so they have to ride on a boat across, everybody's shocked to see that, you know, they've returned and that they weren't killed. And the guy with the broken arm, his wife comes out and she kind of, you know, yells at him for getting hurt and stuff like that and whatever, just is like, you know... Thank you for returning him, stranger. And Ashitaka says, oh, good. 
I thought I did something wrong by bringing him back. And the guy that's the head of the town guard is very skeptical of Ashitaka because they returned almost the same time as what the Caravan of Oxen did, even though, you know, they had to go through the forest and they were injured and whatnot. And so he doesn't really trust Ashitaka. But Lady Eboshi says, you know, rest now and meet me tonight and have dinner with me as a thank you for saving my men. Ashitaka sits with the men of Irontown and they kind of tell him the story about how, you know, they could only get so much iron underneath the village. And when they went into the forest, into the mountain, this boar Nago would constantly attack them with other boars and things like that, protecting the mountain. And so Lady Eboshi showed up with her riflemen and they shot Nago and scared the boars away to where they could mine the iron in the mountains around Irontown and, you know, basically destroy the forest. And so, you know, Ashitaka's just like, oh, so that's what caused him so much hate and rage that he destroyed my livelihood and cursed me. While they're eating... The women of Irontown invite Ashitaka to come see where they work and, you know, talk to them. And they tease the men a little bit. It's super, super funny, the scene where it's like, the men don't bother us unless we want them to. That's probably the funniest fucking thing I've heard in this movie, at least. I, I almost said it's the funniest thing I've heard in anime, but there, there's some ridiculously funny fucking shit that you hear in anime from time to time, so we won't quite go that far, but it's probably my favorite line of this anime. Ashitaka then goes to see Lady Aboshi, who's inspecting some iron to make sure that it's good for the next shipment, and... She asks Ashitaka a question, and when Ashitaka doesn't answer, the head of the guard is like, I'll cut you in half if you don't answer the lady, and is just kind of being a dick. And Ashitaka's just like, my curse is because of you, and shows his arm, and talks about how, you know, this boar Nago was shot with this iron ball that you recognize and this is what cursed him to become a demon. And now I carry this curse and it will kill me. Ashitaka basically says, what you have done to Nago is the reason for my curse. Like, your hatred for the forest dwelling animals is what caused all of this to turn him into a demon and curse me. And she doesn't deny that she's responsible for the curse. But at the same time, she plays it off as that Nago should have cursed her and not cursed anybody else. But he didn't because he's a dumb animal. And it's kind of like that, you know, man versus nature conflict where, you know, human beings see themselves as this supreme above all animal life. And honestly, like if if you went toe to toe with one boar you'd probably get fucked up, let alone, you know, 30 to 50 feral hogs. 
Lady Eboshi leaves with Ashitaka to show him her private garden as well as this hut where a group of lepers stay and they're basically gunsmiths for her developing more sophisticated ways to kill the animals of the forest so they can cut more of the forest down and iron like mine more iron and you know Ashitaka is just disgusted by this and he's just like there's already enough hate in the world there's already enough death and destruction but yet you create more means of hatred and destruction don't you see that you're destroying this world one of the lepers has created a new firearm for her which she says is too heavy because the women of the town are going to be the ones that need to wield these so they need to be lighter she goes up on the ramparts of the town and shoots into the hillside where a tribe of apes are trying to plant trees to restore the forest. And she doesn't really hit in, hit any of them, but enough to scare them away so that they stop planting trees. And she complains to Ashitaka about how these apes plant trees every night and they have to destroy them to continue to mine. And, like, you're complaining to the wrong fucking person because this man wants the forest to come back. He wants humans and animals to live in harmony, and both are trying to dominate the other. And with, you know, humans have having more technology and whatnot, they're essentially winning the war, but it doesn't have to be a war in Ashitaka's eyes. Like... They can live in harmony with one another and not harm one another, but both sides don't see it that way, and they are basically fighting for supremacy over one another, which is the main conflict of the movie is, you know, Lady Eboshi wants to destroy the forest to mine all this iron, and the forest creatures want to keep the forest because it's their home, it's sacred to them, and they don't see why it's so important for the humans to steal resources. This is why I said in the last podcast that this movie is kind of vegan propaganda. And honestly, I'm here for it. I mean, I agree that the amount of deforestation that happens in this world and the amount of, you know, resources and things like that that are stolen from these developing nations is super fucked up like if you think about where south america would be technologically if europe hadn't you know came over and stole all their resources and you know fucked them up economically fucked them up politically all these things i mean even to this day you know, the United States government is still fucking around in Central and South America, still fucking around in Africa and the Middle East and in installing these proxy governments that are essentially allowing people to steal their resources for profit while the people of those countries starve. And it's kind of the same way with, you know, the forest and the humans that are stealing from it, you know, maybe there isn't an economy with animals because they have no 
use for money, but like you're coming in and destroying their homes and essentially these aren't even just animals. Like these are demigods and things like that. So their whole job is to protect this way of life for lesser beings and it's just completely being ruined and Nago, the boar, was overcome by hatred that he had for humans, which is why he became a demon. Lady Eboshi invites Ashitaka to live in Irontown with her because once she kills the forest spirit, all of these animal demigods will go back to being animals. And the wolf girl San, Princess Mononoke, will go back to being a human. And, you know, Ashitaka's like, it doesn't work that way. And why would you kill the forest spirit? To which Lady Eboshi replies that it's said that the head of the forest spirit can grant life so she feels as though it will cure her lepers as well as potentially healing Ashitaka's curse. And Ashitaka is just completely disgusted by that notion and her hubris to think that she could kill the forest spirit and make everything better. Whereas this forest spirit is what's keeping everything at peace currently. So he leaves Lady Eboshi, and as he's leaving, essentially to go to bed because he's leaving the very next morning because he's had enough of Irontown. He stops by the forge to see where the girls work and he works the forge a little bit with them and kind of, you know, talks to them and understands that they're doing what's good for them. And they're kind of, I guess I would say blinded by that their belief in what they're doing is good they don't see the harm that what they're doing is having on the forest. And they're also, you know, constantly told that, you know, people are more important than animals. So it doesn't matter what we're doing to animals because they're just animals. Who really cares? While Ashitaka's in the forge with the women of Irontown, the wolves in San attack the village and San jumps up and over the wall and is running across the rooftops on her way to kill Lady Eboshi because that is her life's purpose. And if she has to die for it, she's going to. And so, she, you know, she's running along the rooftops and she's trying to get as close as she possibly can to Lady Eboshi. And Ashitaka sees this and is trying to defend her because he doesn't want anybody to die. San is up on this rooftop and it gets blown up and San falls to the ground. And they try and shoot her and they end up shooting her in the face which breaks her mask. She wears this, you know, porcelain mask basically. I, I don't know how else to describe it. But it breaks her mask and... Ashitaka throws a piece of the roof to kind of distract everybody. And then San and Lady Eboshi are kind of having a sword fight. And Ashitaka's terrified that, you know, she's going to die. And his curse takes over because he's surrounded by hatred. 
You know, San hates Lady Aboshi. Lady Aboshi hates San because she's part of the animal kingdom and is fighting against progress, basically. So they're seen as enemies. And this sparks Ashitaka's curse. And he uses that power to push through everybody and to essentially hold them both apart. And he knocks both of them out, hands Lady Aboshi over to the women of Irontown, and he's walking out of town. As he's walking out, one of the women shoots him in the back with one of the rifles, and he still continues to walk because he's powered by the curse and this hatred that surrounds him. He pushes the gate of Irontown open, which takes ten men to open, and he does it himself. And essentially gives Son to the wolves and rides off on the back of his elk with the wolves. As they're walking away, Ashitaka falls off of his elk due to blood loss from the gunshot. And one of San's brothers starts attacking him. And San calls him off and is essentially threatening to kill him. And is like, why did you stop me from killing her? And Ashitaka says, because I wanted you to live. And they discuss, you know, how San isn't afraid to die if it means that Lady Eboshi dies. And all this stuff. And she pulls his sword out of his sheath. And she's getting ready to stab him in the throat. And he tells her that she's beautiful. And, you know... It worked for him. I don't know how well it would work if your girlfriend was raging and you were just like, you're beautiful. Uh, If she's getting close to stabbing you, you're probably still going to get stabbed whether you think she's beautiful or not. But anyway, Son carries Ashitaka back to the lake where they had initially saw the group of deer when he when Ashitaka was carrying the wounded men back to Irontown and she leaves him there for the forest spirit and the forest spirit I guess is supposed to judge him whether he's worthy to live or whether he is going to die and so he's laying there and the forest spirit comes and it's this really fucking creepy looking thing. It's like a deer. It almost looks like Bambi's dad, but then it has like the face of a man. So it don't look like a deer in the face. And it's just straight up fucking weird. And then it's got like ostrich feet on its front feet. I don't remember what his back feet looked like, but they were not deer hooves. It was like some fucking ostrich shit. So, whatever, Ashitaka is spared, but the curse remains, because the hatred between the animals and Irontown still remains. Plus, a lot of other hatred in the world, like whatever, there's, you know, samurai slaughtering villages and things like that. There's just so much hate and anger and violence in the world, and so the curse remains, because that's what the curse is, is anger and violence as the forest spirit was approaching ashitaka it was in a different form which was called the night walker it's this huge bipedal thing which 
as it's making its way through the forest to the pond, Jigo, the monk, is observing it in a bearskin. It turns out that what he is going to do is kill the forest spirit and bring its head to the emperor because he's offering a ton of gold to become immortal. And Jigo's essentially going to sell the emperor this head and say, this is the forest spirit. It will make you immortal. And the emperor has already pardoned him for killing the forest spirit, which is kind of fucking weird, but... I mean, whatever, and he's gathered some of the best hunters in the country to track down this forest spirit. So they kind of know where the forest spirit is, but they're a good bit off from where the pond actually is. So they still need help to find the exact location of where the forest spirit is. But this is where it's like revealed that Jigo is essentially the big bad guy of this whole fucking movie. As... Jigo's coming down off of the mountain. He sees a whole herd of boars, probably like 30 to 50 feral hogs. As I was editing this to add in the sound clip, I realized that there wasn't a guy on the news saying that his kids were attacked by 30 to 50 feral hogs, but that it was just a tweet. But essentially... The 30 to 50 feral hogs is kind of a defense for the use of assault weapons. And I just always think that it's funny and that this group of boars definitely represents that 30 to 50 feral hogs. Even though there's probably a thousand or so boar in this actual scene headed towards Irontown. They cut back to Ashitaka who has been awakened by the forest spirit's healing, and San returns and essentially is telling him that she knows all about Ashitaka and his curse and his village because the elk Yakul told her because she can talk to animals. And my first thought is, God damn it, this fucking elk is just going around blabbing about this village that's supposed to be secret. Sure, San is on the animal side, but still, like, it's a secret, my dude. I didn't tell you to go spread my business to the world. San agrees to help Ashitaka because the forest spirit spared his life, so he must be a decent person if the forest spirit is willing to help him. She offers him some jerky to, you know, kind of bring his strength back up. But he's too weak to chew it. So what does my girl do? She chews it and feeds it to him as if he were a baby bird. God damn, that is, that is waifu goals right there. Like, you too weak to chew? Don't worry, baby boy. I'll spit in your mouth. San's mother, Moro, arrives with her brother's And then the herd of boars show up and they said that they've come to kill the humans and save the forest and demand to know why the forest spirit saved this human and essentially are blaming the wolf clan for begging the forest spirit to save this human instead of saving the forest or saving animals and how Nago, you know, should have been spared by the forest spirit and saved, and he was not. And the wolf says to 
Lord Akato, you know, Naga was foolish. He let himself succumb to hate, which is why he became a demon. And, you know, they kind of fight back and forth. And then Ashitaka speaks and says, he became a demon. He cursed me. And I'm the one who killed him because he was attacking my village far from here. And, you know, he, the way that he speaks to Lord Akato and then Lord Akato smells him and he says, I believe your story and I thank you for relieving his pain. And I'm just like, just a minute ago, you were like, this man doesn't deserve to die. And now you're going to say thank you to the dude that fucking killed Nago. Like, get it together, my dude. What the fuck? Lord Akato tells the Wolf Clan about his plans and how he may not win, but he's going to take as many humans as he possibly can with him, and they're going to fight to the very last boar. And the Wolf Clan says, we will not help you. And the boars are just kind of like, we don't want your help. We're going to do this anyway. The film then cuts to a little battle between Lady Eboshi and this samurai lord who wants to control this ore-rich land. Because while Nago oversaw the forest and they couldn't strip the resources, he didn't want anything to do with the forest. But now that they are able to get the resources out of the mountain, he's willing to fight for these resources. Uh, unfortunately for him, you know, he has samurai which have swords, and samurai are pretty badass, but Lady Eboshi's got guns, and they fucking light his ass up with some guns. And essentially the samurai run away, and they are returned to Irontown. Lady Eboshi and her soldiers go back to Irontown, where she's met by the monk, the monk Jigo, who discusses how they made a deal to kill the forest spirit, and the time has now come, and she needs to make good on her deal, or Jigo's going to take the men that he left her with guns, and she'll lose Irontown because she doesn't have enough soldiers to hold it. So Lady Eboshi, you know, reluctantly says, this is what I have to do, and takes all of the men of Irontown and leaves to go fight the boars and to hunt the forest spirit. Jigo's men take up residence in Irontown, and they're kind of seen as, you know, spooky because they're really terrifying and Lady Eboshi sits down with the women of Irontown and essentially says, I need you to stay behind and hold down the fortress while I'm away. I can't trust the men to do it. So I'm taking them with me to fight the boars and to hunt the forest spirit. I need you to defend our home. And while the women are kind of nervous they agree to do it because they have that much faith and respect for Lady Eboshi. Ashitaka is sleeping in Moro's cave with San beside him. And he gets up because his cursed arm is hurting. And he walks to the rock's edge where Moro is waiting outside. And she suggests that he should probably jump to ease his pain. Just 
Yo, you got a curse? You should kill yourself about it. Ashitaka asked the wolf goddess why the humans in the forest can't live together in harmony. And Moro tells him that, you know, that's never going to happen. And that, you know, the humans want to take and the forest can't supply everything they want to take. Moro predicts that there will be a battle where all of the forest creatures will fight together and San will die with them. And Ashitaka objects and says, but she's human. And Moro gets very angry and snarls at him and tells San's backstory where some humans were defiling her forest. And when Moro attacked, they left their baby behind when they ran from her. And that baby was San, and she raised her as her own. And even though she was raised with wolves, she doesn't really belong anywhere. Like, she'll never be a wolf, but she'll never actually be truly human again. So, it just makes sense for her to die along with the forest. No matter what Ashitaka does, there's no way for her to regain her humanity. Moro tells him to leave the forest and never return or she will have to kill him. And he goes back to sleep when he awakes the next morning. There are supplies waiting for him and he leaves the cave still in a weakened state. And one of the wolf brothers escorts him out of the forest to make sure that he leaves. He looks to the other wolf brother and gives him the crystal dagger that his sister had given him previously and asked the wolf brother to give the necklace to San. Moro and San are overlooking the battlefield that the boars will be fighting on and the humans have cut down trees and started fires with sulfur to dull their sense of smell. Moro realizes that it's a trap but knows that the boars are too stubborn or too stupid to believe that it's a trap that they're going to fall directly into it and all of them will die. San tells her mother that she has to go to Lord Otaka's side because he's blind and she needs to be his eyes for the battle. And Moro basically says, do what you must. I can't stop you from doing anything. Ashitaka returns to Irontown where he sees that the samurai that Lady Eboshi was previously battling have attacked Iron Town now that she's gone with the men and the women and the lepers are trying to hold them back, but they just don't have enough people to hold them back. So Ashitaka agrees to go find Lady Eboshi to tell her to return with her soldiers so that they can defend Iron Town together. And he hears in the distance some explosions being set off by boars. The battle with the boars has started. As Ashitaka's leaving the battlefield, he's pursued by a few samurai, one of which shoots an arrow into his elk's ass, basically. And he stops to fight, shooting off the arm of one samurai, decapitating another with an arrow, where the other samurai runs away after this battle and he pulls the arrow out of Yakul's hindquarters and 
basically tells him to stay behind and he'll be back. But Yakul doesn't want to be left behind. So he limps behind him as Ashitaka walks to the battlefield where the humans and the boars fought. And a few of Jigo's men as well as Lady Eboshi's men start burying the dead. And they talk about how the battle went and what happened and everything and how basically Lady Eboshi's men were put on the front lines and that's why so many of them died. He finds out that San was in the battle, but she wasn't among the dead. And that's when he tells the men of Iron Town that Iron Town is under attack and they need to return. And Jigo's men tell them to get back to work burying the dead. And the men of Iron Town, you know, protest and fight back. That's when Ashitaka sees one of the Wolf Brothers underneath a pile of dead boars. So he starts trying to dig him out so that they can get to where San is. And the men of Iron Town help him get the wolf out while Jigo's men shoot poison darts at Ashitaka. And that's when the men of Iron Town turn on Jigo's men and attack them. And Ashitaka leaves with the wolf brother to go find San. A hunter reports back to Jigo and Lady Eboshi saying that Lord Akato is badly wounded and is heading for the lake where the forest spirit is. So they're using the skins of dead boars to follow him because since he's blind, he's only using his sense of smell and smelling the boars makes him think that his soldiers are with him. So he has no qualms about leading them directly to the forest spirit. And San is riding on his back and trying to talk him out of it, but he's just too stubborn to believe her or even listen. Okado, filled with fear and anger and hatred towards the humans after being defeated, turns into a demon just like how Nago did. The tentacles come out and basically envelop San. And my first reaction is, this is a kid's movie? This is about to turn into some hentai right now, I think. Ashitaka and the wolf brother from the boar battlefield ride to Lady Eboshi, and Ashitaka begs her to stop her hunt to return to Iron Town to save it because the women are in trouble and they can't hold off the samurai. And, you know, Lady Eboshi's basically just like... It was time for Irontown to fall. And, like, that's just kind of shitty. Like, she did all this work to bring these lepers and bring these women from brothels to this town just to be like, no, I'm just going to let it fall now. Like, you have a responsibility to these people being their leader and you're just going to abandon them? That's fucked. Like, that's real fucked. And that's kind of where Lady Eboshi again shows her true colors as to that she doesn't care about anybody but herself. Ashitaka rushes to the pool where the forest spirit came to him and finds Moro dying on the water's edge and sees the demon of Lord Okato 
coming and can hear San yelling for help because she can see him through the tentacles. So he goes over to her to attempt to save her and have Lord Okato release her from his tentacles. Moro, who was saving the last bit of her strength to fight Lady Eboshi, now has to use it to save San. And so she jumps towards Lord Okato and engages him in a fight to release San from his snout. The forest spirit then appears and Moro begs the forest spirit to save San from the curse that she received from touching Lord Akato's tentacles. And the forest spirit is walking across the water of the pool towards them. And that's when Lady Eboshi fucking 360 quick scopes his ass and shoots him right through the head. He begins to sink. And when Ashitaka cries out for Lady Eboshi to stop, he regains his footing and walks across the water towards San. The forest spirit starts to make its change into its night form, which is like a huge bipedal looking deer type thing. I don't know how, how to describe it, honestly. But Lady Eboshi takes aim to shoot it one more time. And Ashitaka throws his sword into her gun to make her miss. And the forest spirit makes her gun grow flowers like he's basically turning her gun that was made from a tree back into a tree this doesn't stop her and she fires at the forest spirit again hitting it in the neck and separating its head from its body with a bunch of black ooze basically they claim the forest spirit's head the hunters do and begin to head back to the emperor and the forest spirit starts destroying the forest with this black ooze looking for its head moro's head has been removed from her body by this black ooze and it leaps forward and removes lady aboshi's arm which is her final act of revenge is taking the arm of the enemy and so Ashitaka pulls her away from the battlefield and San asks Ashitaka to let her kill Lady Eboshi. But Ashitaka says that Moro's revenge has already been exacted. San then pulls the crystal dagger necklace that Ashitaka had given her before the battle and stabs him with it because, you know... It really do be the crazy bitches that got the best pussy. And, you know, Ashitaka hugs her as she stabs him. Because my man is a simp. He is fucking simping hard for wolf girl pussy. And, I mean, I, I can't, can't really blame him. I mean, you know, the heart wants what it wants, I guess. So, he says, you know, help me. We're alive. We can save the forest. So their first stop is to head back to Irontown and tell everyone to get into the lake that surrounds Irontown because the black ooze is coming over the mountain and will kill anything in its path. The women and the lepers watch Irontown basically get destroyed. The, for the forge burns and Irontown is 
basically destroyed by this ooze. And Ashitaka and San chase down Jigo and force him to give them the forest spirit's head because it's going to destroy everything and it's not going to stop following them until he returns his head. So Jigo finally gives in and gives gives the forest spirit's head to Ashitaka to which he returns to the forest spirit and the forest spirit puts its head back on its body and goes back to being normal like nothing was fucking wrong. It's one of those things where like you know, your partner's raging, and then you just, like, give him a chicken nugget or something like that, and it's like nothing ever happened, like, fucking, it's all cool now, we're chilling, I'm good. So they cut back to Iron Town, and there is a raft bringing Lady Eboshi to Iron Town, because this fucking bitch is now gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm here to save you, even though I did nothing but made the situation worse. Like, fuck you, Lady Eboshi. The forest spirit doesn't return to the grove and the lake where it was at and return to its normal form before the sun rose. So it collapses and basically grows the forest on its dead body. Like, the forest spirit's dead, but in its final act of being the forest spirit, it regrew the forest on the mountain. So it's almost as if, like, the damage that had been done has now been rectified. Even though now the forest spirit's dead, so there won't be any more, like, animal gods or anything getting saved. It's basically the, the forest did lose the war between the humans and the forest. In their final meeting, San admits that she likes Ashitaka, and they realize that, you know, they love each other, but they can never be together. Ashitaka says that he's going to help Irontown rebuild, and that San is going to defend the forest, so they'll see each other, and hopefully they can bridge the gap between humans and the forest so that they can live in harmony, which is all that Ashitaka wanted. But it doesn't seem like it's going to go that way. And so San and Ashitaka kind of part ways the same way that Rick and Elsa do in Casablanca. But it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. And that's going to wrap up the plot review. Uh, I didn't realize until I started reviewing the plot how long this fucking movie actually is. Like, it's really entertaining, and the art in it is incredible. So you don't really realize that that much time is passing, but talking about everything that happened in the movie, like, holy fucking shit, this is a long ass fucking masterpiece. We're going to go ahead and give this a 9.75 out of tentacles. God damn, this fucking movie is incredible. Like, 
I think that this movie's like 30 years old or even older than that. And like the art style is still incredible. The story is still sick. Like no matter how old you are, this movie is going to fucking hit for you. Such an incredible movie. Loved it as a kid. Loved it as an adult. I'm going to love it when I get old as fuck. Like, this movie is sick. And that's going to wrap it up for the Late to the Party podcast. Um, So, yeah, I had a lot of fun reviewing this movie. If you've made it this far and stuck around with me, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, We are going to be doing another hit from my childhood. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing Ricky Ticky Tavi. It's a little bit of a shorter film, but after this long-ass review, I kind of need a break.